Everybody, I am Sean Graham, Scott alongside, as always, Happy New Year, Scott. Happy New Year, Sean. New Year. Any New Year's resolutions? No, none for Good. me. Uh, you know, I feel like I'm living properly. I'm, I'm living right. Don't need to change anything. Everything is going perfectly. So no need for anything to change. How about you? Uh, everything, Sean, I need to change everything. Um, nothing's going right. It's all bad. No, no, no. Of course, uh, things are good. Uh, maybe some little things I was thinking about. Shoot. I already forgot what it was. So, uh, <laughs> two days yeah, after new year's and the resolution is gone. <laughs> yeah. I can't, I can't remember. I was thinking about it earlier today too. Oh, well, I'll, I'll let you know if I remember. Okay. But this obviously means you've broken whatever this resolution is if you can't even remember what it is. Well, I don't think I would choose something that was that difficult. So, <laughs> you know, uh, maybe, no, I think I, I already flossed my teeth. So uh, maybe that was last year's. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. Anyway. All right. Well, hopefully everyone out there had a wonderful and safe new year. Uh, of course, across North America, we've had some wild weather over the past few weeks, uh, a little dangerous in parts of the United States and Canada. So hopefully everybody has uh, you know, recorded themselves safely over the last little while and uh, had not too many travel disruptions that uh, have been caused not only by the weather, but also some issues uh, with our friends in the United States there. Southwest Airlines continues to be a popular headline, uh, even though we're sort of a week out from those problems. And uh, I don't know, man, it's uh, busiest, one of the one of, if not the busiest time of year to travel. This is a poor timing, Scott, for the, uh, the weather and the computer systems to go haywire. Yeah, not great. Not great. Um, it's thankful that uh, neither of us had to travel. Mm-hmm this week so uh you know all good there but yeah hope everybody's able to get where they're going uh or get back from where they went safely yes so uh yeah hopefully everyone's doing well and 2023 finds you well but before we move in fully to 2023 we got some hardware to hand out it is the second annual stony awards honoring the best in the world of curling from the previous year Last year, we did this for 2021, obviously. Now, as we go into 2022, a lot to get into with uh, an Olympic year now in the rearview mirror. So we have 12 categories, just like we did last year. A little different in the categories. I think nine of them are the same. Three of them are different, just given the reality that the year was different. So we had to change up some of the categories. Mm -hmm. But before we get into the categories, Scott, what is your overall assessment of 2022 for the world of curling? Well, big, uh, big year being an Olympic year, as you mentioned, the bump that we see in, you know, people going out to try curling. I don't know if it was as big as it would have been without COVID-19. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's just anecdotal from, from me. 
but uh, you know, if other people are having a lot of success recruiting people, please let us know. Uh, so I think that's a bit of a, uh, a tough break, you know, to not be able to capitalize on what was really a great Olympics and then sort of the letdown and the team churn that comes after an Olympics game. So, so that's how I would assess the year, sort of like that big high and then a lot of chaos. Yeah, I agree. The major chaos of the summer, the Olympics, I still think they need to tighten it up a little bit. I don't like that it starts before the opening ceremony. If there's a way to tighten up the schedule a little bit, particularly during the four-person event, which is way too long, I think, uh, where you have draws with empty sheets and like just just play and, and let it all go. <laughs> like uh, I, I think that would be a little better, but... You're right. That that was a lot of fun. The always the the post Olympic kind of world championships are a little more fun. Is always interesting. Different teams are there. Of course, in one of the rare occasions, the only occasion as far as I know, that Canada had the same Olympic team on the men's side as the world champion team. That's never happened before. So uh, real real fun there in the spring. And then the fall has been a bit of a mismatch of events, new teams, seeing how people are going to relate to each other. So it's uh, always interesting that Olympic calendar year because the fall after the Olympics is so different from the winter and into the spring. It's uh, every season's like that where it's a new season, but particularly after the Olympics, it feels so disconnected from the two halves of the year. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it's like a whole new, whole new game. So uh, it, it's definitely a disjointed feeling. Mm-hmm. But that said, we're here to hand out some hardware. Yes. So, like I said, we have twelve categories, and uh, we're gonna go in the order that I have randomly assigned them. I think it's the same order as last year, actually. There, Scott. Uh, even though some categories are new, I'm going with the same mm-hmm. order. So let's start with the moment of the year and i'm going with jennifer jones with the big hugs to the japanese team in the mix zone at the olympic games immediately after fujisawa had got into the playoffs and jennifer jones was out that crazy last draw of the women's side at the olympics i'm going with that as the moment of the year that's a great moment sean and uh it's a great moment that showcases curling what it's all about, that uh, camaraderie amongst the players, sort of devastating for Jennifer Jones to miss out on the playoffs on draw shot challenge, but to still be cognizant of the cameras being there and, and to, you know, have this kind of moment where they, she's genuinely congratulating team Japan. Uh, It's a really great moment and very worthy of our moment of the year. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, Really solid on that one being the best moment that we had. Uh, I also, in terms of the honorable mentions here, I went with Kerry Galusha making the championship round at the mm-hmm. Scotties. Uh, Andrea Crawford making the semifinals uh, at the Scotties. But those aren't so much of individual moments as I think that Jennifer Jones one is. Yeah, those are like the culminations of, uh, yeah. of, of long weeks. And sometimes years, right, uh, in the making. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I, I'll agree. All right. Uh, Scott, what's uh, our second category here? Number two, Sean, we've got 
biggest farewell. Mm. Now, as we mentioned in an Olympic year, lots of changes. Uh, and this is not only on the ice, but off the ice. So I'll give you some contenders and you can tell me which one you think is the best. We've got Brad Jacobs. I guess it's not been a farewell for very long because he's coming back. The Swiss front end uh, from those great teams, uh, women's teams deciding to hang up their curling shoes. Uh, The great Eve Muirhead announcing her retirement and a vacation, a vacation, a vacancy in the TSN booth with Cheryl Bernard stepping aside. Who you got? Well, it, it's hard to argue against a team that had won four straight world championships or three straight, whatever it was, that they step mm-hmm. away at the top of their game. So is there an argument against the Swiss front end, Scott? I think in Canada there is an argument because uh, we don't we won't see them. You know, we don't see them in our national championships. Uh, so maybe not as big of an impact in Canada. Worldwide, uh, definitely uh, a, a big loss to the sport to have those two leave. That said, Tiranzoni's team sort of uh, p- picked up where they left off and <laughs> were destroying people in the in the fall season. So I don't know. I don't know. Maybe we'd have to lean towards Cheryl. Yeah. Uh, losing that seat in the booth, uh, somebody that's with us for you know nine days at a time, uh, two or three times a year, that's a big loss. Yeah, for sure. And I think we said this on the episode where it was announced or right after it was announced that she was leaving that her departure is going to, and has even in the limited events that TSN has done so far had a bigger impact on my enjoyment of curling than any of the player changes or even any of the player retirements that Mm -hmm. the booth is critical to the enjoyment of the sport for me. So yeah, I I think I agree there that uh, Cheryl not being there, and still not knowing who the replacement is, who's going to fill that chair permanently for the Scotties, for the Briar, because unless we want Kathy Gauthier to just have to hibernate for all of, of, of <laughs> a, the end of April and May, I don't think it's fair to ask her to sit in that chair. So it'll be, it'll be very important to see who they get in that seat. Very important. Looking forward to hearing that. Yes. News uh, ho- soon. Hopefully soon. Yeah. So uh, our third category here is the oddity of the year. And Scott, I could not come up with any honorable mentions for this one because there's only one in my mm-hmm. books. And that is Brad Gushu winning the Briar with only three players with Mark Nichols out of action for the championship weekend. Brad Gushu coming essentially straight from the Olympics playing with only three and winning the briar. There's that great moment in the playoffs. I think it was the semifinal uh, one of the fans had a sign that said, Hey Brad, I got my shoes in the car and Brad sees and he's like, all right, go get them. Like it's just such a weird moment that you didn't expect. Of course we've had subsequent three person championships. It's now pulling the Gushu. Right, Team Adin did it at the Grand Slam. Uh, there was another one in the spring, too, that I, I can't remember off the top of my head. But Gushu, with everything that was going on, winning three or winning with three in an event that I don't think either of us, Scott, picked him to make the playoffs at all, just 
given the Olympic hangover, the exhaustion that we Mm -hmm. assumed the team would have to not only win the event, but to do it with Mark Nichols sitting in his hotel room, I assume eating donuts the entire time. (laughs) It's really quite remarkable. Yeah, absolutely. It's something that you're right. Never been done. Probably will never happen again. Strange circumstances with COVID. I think if it's two years earlier, three years earlier, and he's got a cold, He's playing in that final. He's playing that weekend, right? Yep. So a uh, definite oddity. And I don't think it's something that we're going to see anytime soon. No. no. Uh, I couldn't think of any other. Do, could you think of any other honorable mention oddities? Because that I, I just, I, when I was thinking about the category, I was like that. It's mm-hmm. Guju wins with three. And I, I could not think of anything else. Nothing that I can really think of. Maybe, Maybe the mixed doubles at the Olympics with, people telling us that Australia had to go home and then right waking up and seeing that they had beaten beaten Canada. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I thought they were flying home. What's going on? Yeah. Maybe. But playing with three players is just uh just incredible. Yeah. Yeah, you're right though. That Australia one was weird. <laughs> was weird. They're out of the event, yeah. they're going home. All right, I'm going to bed. Hey, Canada lost. Like, what? <laughs> like what's going on? How long did I asleep? Did I sleep backwards? What is what is going on? Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, super weird, super yeah. weird. All right, Scott, what's up next? Next up, Sean, we've got best roster move. Now, obviously, this is only taking into account a few months of action. So there's so many roster moves to choose from, too many to name. Who you got for your best pick roster move? So uh, I've enjoyed the idea of, even if the results haven't been the greatest necessarily of the veteran the champions picking up the young very promising players and Mm. essentially agreeing to obviously play and compete with them but essentially to teach them what it takes to be a champion skip so the two that really stand out there are Tyler Tardy joining playing third with Kevin Cooey and team Zacharias going with Jennifer Jones. I might give the edge at this point to the Jones Zacharias pairing, if only because they've had slightly better results. So they've won an event. They've gone deep into the, a couple slams, I believe. So, I mean, not that Cooey Tardy has been bad by any means, but they haven't had the same type of results as Jones Zacharias. So I might go with that, not only for the 2022 side of it, but for what the future looks like, maybe not for that team as a five, but for what it can do for Mackenzie Zacharias and that team moving forward when we look not just 2026, but if we look at, say, 2030, 2034, this mm-hmm. is a move that for them can really set them up very well for a long-term future. Yeah, Sean, fair enough. I uh, can't really argue with you on both of those. Uh, for me personally, uh, I think it would be the the Caitlin Laws lineup uh, playing super well without Caitlin uh, there and sort of like seeing how that will work out going forward. Uh, congratulations to to Caitlin and her partner on the birth of their child. I'd also, uh, I don't know if I, I've got another one. I've got some in mind, but you're right. The, the impacts haven't fully been felt yet. So uh, 
taking into account what you said about the mentorship of younger players, I, I like the ones you've come up with. The other, the other one could be no move in the Kerry Anderson not making yeah. a change, right? That's yeah. a, like you know sometimes the best moves are the ones you don't make, and mm-hmm. that team is certainly very, very, very good. I uh, already won a slam this season, and I think they at this point have a leg up on everybody else. I think so. I think uh, they're they're the leaders for sure. Everyone's chasing them. What's next? I, next up? We have our character of the year, and Scott. I think there's one option here, and there's somebody who has been in the news recently. That is Jason Gunlickson. He, of course, skipped his team last fall. Uh, sorry, last winter. Briar appearance. He's somebody who, when he's on the mic, he is on the mic. He he really never stops talking. And then it was announced in the summer that he was going to team up with Reed Carruthers and play third. And then he got all jacked and he hit the gym and he was making jokes about he had to get into sweeping shape. And you could see it on him when he showed up at the points bet. You're like, is that Jason Gunlickson? Or is like, it's even a twin brother who like, and that was an interesting dynamic. They won the points bet. And then just before Christmas, they announced Jason Gunlickson's not going to be on that team anymore. You alluded to Brad Jacobs coming back, his very short-lived retirement. He's going to be with Reed Carruthers the rest of the season, with the exception of the Manitoba playdowns when Brad Jacobs is going to be in the Northern Ontario playdowns and uh, therefore is not going to be available for that. But mm-hmm. I think you know Gunner is always kind of in the category for character of the year, but I think this year in particular, he's had a, a wild year. Yeah, definitely wild year for the Gunner. Uh, other characters that I think of, you know, Ben Hebert is always in that conversation uh, on the women's side. Emma Miskew has sort of taken up the TikTok talents from <laughs> yeah. uh, from Joanne Courtney, sharing a lot of uh, reels on there. So, but yeah, I, I think Gunner is a, a clear step above everybody else when it comes to being a character in the world of curling absolutely so and it's you know there's no shortage of them in the world of curling so that's uh what maybe the most highly competitive award that we have character of the year so all right uh scott let's move on one that is close to our hearts oh i thought you were gonna say it the best curling commercial sean didn't record a curling commercials episode this year, did we? No, they didn't have enough new ones. That's right. They, they were running back sort of the, the classics. The ones that were new, though, and the one that stuck out to me, stuck out because we know the woman starring in it. It's Kate Campbell's paint spill in her truck, cleaning <laughs> it up with sponge towels. She gets the, the nod from me. Uh, I coached her in grade nine girls volleyball basketball i think at our high school so i can't snub somebody that went to our high school sean yeah it's it's tough too yeah katie campbell she was on the mike Holmes show she's a contractor i don't know does she have another show or is she still does mike Holmes still have shows i have no idea she was building decks for a while and uh still does contracting and and speaking so yeah so she was within the hgtv realm of shows mm-hmm. 
and yeah, I got this sponge towel commercial. It was on the curling broadcast then a lot. Like you see her a lot. It was very strange. And I was surprised that Kate Campbell got the commercial because the only time I ever saw her on the Mike Holmes show, not that I ever watched it that much, she was basically the one doing all the work. Mike Holmes would walk around and be like, minimum code, and then yell at the, the camera <laughs> and wouldn't do anything. It would be Kate Campbell in the background doing the work. But I don't recall her really ever talking to the camera. And then here she was doing a commercial where she was talking to the camera, which is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, very cool. Uh, very cool to see. So there's that one. The other one that I was wondering about, it was on during the slams, and I think maybe even only the last slam, it was the, this co-op commercial where it's a woman talking about how during the pandemic, she had just had a baby and she couldn't see anybody and she was very lonely. And the only place where she felt safe when there was a, a sense of community was at the co-op. And I thought it was just a, a, a strange mm. commercial. Like the only place you're going is, is to the co-op. And I don't know, maybe it's the, the, maybe that's accurate to the culture of co-ops, but I thought if you're going to go somewhere and I mean, no one has a mask on and anything there's, there's, it, they're not like re they didn't recreate the COVID protocols in the commercial. It's like, mm -hmm. if you're going to go out, I don't know, you go see like family, friends, like, <laughs> I don't know, maybe people get really close with the, the cashiers and the, the, the butchers and the staff at the co-op. I don't know. I just, I'm confused by it by somebody who doesn't fully understand or, or has never experienced the co-op culture. Mm -hmm. That's right. We, there was a co-op, Sean, in our town uh, a long time ago, but uh, it was quickly pushed aside for uh, big national chains of uh, retailers. So good choice to have the, the co-op culture sort of exposed to a wider yeah. uh, section of, of the culture, but uh I'm sticking with uh, Kate Campbell. All right. Uh, so next up, we have our theme of the year. A lot of uh, themes that emerged this year. Of course, we talked about all the new lineups, the shuffling that was going on, gambling, a huge one with not only the legalization of single game gambling in at least Ontario. I don't know what the rules are across the country. I assume it's national, although... A bunch of these ads that I see, maybe it's because I'm in Ontario, say only available mm -hmm. in Ontario. Uh, so gambling is a huge theme. This year we had a, an event sponsored by a gambling website, which forced teams that were sponsored by a different gambling website to not acknowledge the actual name of the event. It was great. It did provide mm -hmm. some fun for us. But I yeah. think the theme of the year, and I think this is going to have potentially the biggest long-term impact, at least in Canada, are players focusing on mixed doubles. We saw a few players this year step away, not from curling, but from the four-person events. And the two, I think, most prominent are Kirk Myers and Laura Walker, who are just playing on the mixed double circuit together. Brad Jacobs, when he announced that he was stepping back, he did say that he was going to continue to play in the mixed doubles, which he is. And now, of course, he's coming back to finish out the season in the four-person game. John Morris, I mean, he was doing this before, but he's returning to the mixed doubles focus. And Scott, I think we're going to see this more and more. And, and this Olympic cycle is the first one where we're seeing players who had done both saying, all right, 
mixed doubles is where my focus is going to be. And I, I do think that if you look ahead eight years to 2030, maybe we do have two streams of elite level players. I mean, that would be really good, in my opinion, for uh, curling and for the mixed doubles discipline, right? If we keep having four player players who come and, and throw teams together at the last minute and then win medals, it, it, it's a detriment to the players that do focus on mixed doubles. Hmm. So yeah, this is a, a good theme to track going forward for sure. We're seeing it this year. Who knows if because points don't count this year towards getting to the Olympics. Okay. I'll take a break and, and try mixed doubles, see how I feel about it. If I like it, if the schedule is more to my liking for my family, for whatever. And then we'll see who goes back into a four person team either next year or uh, in 2024, 25, 20. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, it's a good theme. I want to touch back a little bit on the gambling. I think that this gambling moment is something that's going to have a longer term impact on curling than say some players deciding to focus on mixed doubles the money that's apparently around in gambling is huge. And I worry in a sport like curling where the purses aren't so huge, the players aren't paid so much. If it becomes rife for some kind of a scandal, especially with the ways that you can, you know, shake early. It's uh, something that I think bears watching. I, I don't know anything, you're right, right? Like, I don't think anybody's doing it. But it seems to me like something that really easily could go south quickly. So yeah. I, I, gambling in the sports world in general, it's troubling to me to have such ease of access to uh, something that's addictive and that not everybody is able to enjoy responsibly. But also, like, how it could impact the sports that we love on the playing surface is, is another story that uh, we'll have to keep watching. Yeah. And it's, it's a good point that, yeah, the players don't make enough. The, the, Russell Westbrook makes like $45 million a year. He's not going to be swayed by the amount of money that could move on a Lakers game, right? That's mm-hmm. not going to move him at all, but could a curler potentially, but I, I, this is, we should probably talk to halls or, or somebody, uh, about this because you know how much money is being moved on a particular curling game and would it be easy for somebody to tell that like someone who's taking a bet one of these websites that something's off because one game just has so much more action on it like, mm-hmm. like i can't imagine that a lot of money moves on these games so if it goes from and i'm just inventing this number if it goes from like say an average of 500 bucks on a briar game and then all of a sudden there's five thousand dollars that's moving on a briar game maybe that raises the red flags and you know Mm -hmm. maybe there's something in place in that but this is we have to talk to an expert on what safety measures are in place both Mm -hmm. on the gambling side and maybe we should reach out to like curling canada too to see if there's some protocol in place to ensure the integrity of the sport because you're right it could be a tempting move for somebody to uh earn a, a little extra cash yeah, yeah. So just something that bears watching going forward. 
a little bit like the mixed doubles, right? It, it does bear watching going forward to see if this will stick or not. But th- to me, that's the that's the theme that I've come back to more and more. All right. Scott, what is our next category? Sean, next up, the unsung hero of the year. And we came up with only one name because there can only be one. <laughs> and that's Stefania Constantini from Italy making shot after shot after mm. shot crushing people's dreams and hopes (laughs) at the mixed doubles competition of the Olympics. Just an excellent player playing huge in a situation where she wasn't expected to. And I still don't think gets uh, all the credit on that team just because Amos is so big (laughs) that uh, she can can get lost. But uh, she was the one that won that uh, gold medal by making all those great shots at the end of those ends. And she's our unsung hero of the year. Yeah, she's quite literally in his shadow because his shadow is so big because he's such a a giant man. And I think part of why she, at least narratively, got kind of lost a little bit is that after the mixed doubles, Amos was still around. So every time Mm -hmm. there was an update from the Italy game on the men's side or post game, they were talking to him. It just always came up. Amos won the gold medal and Stefania the women's team didn't qualify for the Olympics. So she just wasn't there. So the fact that he was there for another 10 days on TV a lot, and they were referencing the fact that, oh, he had just won this gold medal. I think that has a lot to do with why he was such a, really the the main representative of that team. But as you say, she was really good in that competition making those last rocks coming up with huge shots over and over again. And yeah, definitely. I I don't think there's anybody else in contention for unsung hero of the year. Nope. Making all those clutch shots. Great player. Yeah. So our ninth award is for the shot of the year. Scott, this is where we get into the prestige awards. Mm. uh, These Mm. last four. So the shot of the year. Uh, There are two contenders, two nominees that I could come up with. First is an Oscar Erickson angle raise that he made at the Euros. This was not on TV. It was just caught by somebody in the stands. It's an absolutely crazy shot. I'll try to find it and link to it in the show notes if you want to see it. But for me, the shot of the year comes from the 2022 Scotty's Tournament of Hearts, an afternoon game, I believe it was, extra end, Joanne Rizzo goes around the horn, or maybe it was the 10th end, but she goes around the horn to hit a game winner that helped put the Northwest Territories into the championship pool. That, Scott, is my shot of the year. Yeah, Sean, that's a that's a good one. That's something that was important to, for the result, uh, something that was exciting to watch. I like this as a shot of the year. Uh, we, we've often talked about, you know, hits get a little more play on social media cause they're more exciting than a nice draw, but, uh, this one is good enough that it takes the shot of the year. Yeah. And, and I think part of it for me at least was Joanne Rizzo's reaction. Mm. Like she's just mm-hmm. looking at the scoreboard. She makes the shot and she just brushes her hair out of her eye. 
very calmly and goes down. And so I think, and I tweeted at the time, like that's the reaction of a stone cold curling assassin (laughs) who knew she made the shot. So I, I, yeah, so it's, it's that shot being part of that story of the week of Galusha getting into the championship pool, what it meant to her and what it meant to that team to be in that spot. It, yeah, I, I just love that shot. And I've I've watched it over and over again. So maybe a little personal bias there, but for me, definitely the shot of the year. Definitely. What's our uh, next category here, Sean? Game of the year. Oof. Game of the year. This is always a tough one. There's so many great games that take place throughout the year. There's games that take place in competitions that we don't get to see on TV in Canada. So... Mm-hmm. For us, it's it's usually slanted a bit towards the the Briar, the Scotties, the Worlds, that kind of thing. Um, there was a, a interesting games at the Euros this fall. Uh, interesting games at the Pacific, or the not the Pacific Asia, the Pan Continental. <laughs> but Sean, it's an Olympic year, right? What can we what can we do but choose a game from those Olympics? And we've chosen. The men's gold medal final, mm-hmm. Bruce Mowat against Nicholas Adine for gold. Yeah, we we did. It's a game that in the moment, uh, I think we were positive about, uh, if not raved about. And, you know, it's that moment four years later, Nick Adine gets over the hump after kind of having it stolen from him a little bit. John Schuster with that incredible shot that when Schuster in the eighth end uh, wins him that game, even though they played the ninth uh, for Dean to get back Mao there first time in the Olympics, getting to that gold medal game, just, and it was really well played. It was unfortunately much better than the women's gold medal game where even your had kind of got out to that lead. And it was, it was, it was late pretty early in that game. If you want to look at a game on the women's side, that is, I mean, it's hard to go against a gold medal game, but that Eve Muirhead that semifinal uh, is it? It's uh, Tiranzoni, where it's twelve eleven. Twelve eleven. Muirhead Hasselberg. Yeah, against Anna Hasselberg. Twelve okay. eleven. Uh, they get four in the ninth, and you're like, "Oh, they're home and free. They're up three. <laughs> oh, wait, no. Anna Hasselberg says, "Hold my beer. Have a three right back, and then go to the extra end." Yeah, that that is probably the other game that yeah. I would be. Uh, be looking at yeah and to happen on the world's biggest stage those are those are two pretty good ones that uh definitely have some rewatchability the two of them for sure for sure yeah all right two categories left and these are the prestige prestige awards first up is the team of the year and of course in an olympic year you do have essentially the gold medalists so you've muirhead you have nicodine But Scott, one of those teams went on to win the world championship for the third consecutive year. They also, without Nicodine there, won a slam. I had a a nice week at the European championship. Like They they haven't really lost much, but I'm going with the back-to-back gold medals at the Worlds and the Olympics for Nicodine, not to mention a medal for Oscar Erickson at the mixed doubles competition in the Olympics. So them as a team, I think we have to go with Nicholas Adine as the team of the year. I think so, Sean. Hitting that last career 
accomplishment in winning the gold medal at the Olympics. Uh, that puts it over the edge for me. As you mentioned, the whole team successful throughout the year. Capping things off with another world championship. I don't think either of us picked that. We sort of thought, okay, maybe they've got a bit of a hangover from the Olympics, but uh, just showing uh, how great they are and easily, for me, winning the team of the year. All right, uh, one category left, and it is our top prize that we award here at the Stony Awards, and it is for Player of the Year. Scott, who gets this very distinguished honor? Well, Sean, it's somebody who's received many accolades uh, in the last few months, somebody who has become a member of the Order of the British Empire. It's Eve Muirhead capping off an amazing, amazing career, maybe, with an Olympic gold medal and then riding into the sunset. That's the way you want to go out. And she just sort of, we, we talked about having even FU mode was really fun to watch. And we got that for this yeah. year. Yeah. And don't forget that she didn't ride off into the sunset until she had gone and won the mixed doubles as well. So she mm-hmm. was in like double FU mode on her way out, uh, which was great to see. So yeah, I think mm-hmm. it's a slam dunk that it's even your head after all the injuries, after everything it took for her to get back to the top of her game, to have the week she did at the Olympics and then to nicely cap it off with that mixed doubles world championship. And, and then to say, all right, I'm out. Uh, really a, a wonderful year for Eve. And yeah, Order of the British Empire, that's great. She was just a finalist for Athlete of the Year or something over there. Mm-hmm. I mean, this, come on, this goes to the top of the Wikipedia page, 2022 oh. Stony Award for Best Player. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Easily top of the page. So uh, there you have it. Our 12 categories for the Stony Awards. Scott, how do you feel about those? I feel good, Sean. Uh, I'd like to hear suggestions from the listeners. You know, if there's something that we truly messed up, please let us know. Uh, That said, I think we got a good list of accomplishments for this year uh, and a good place to roll into 2023. Yeah, so as Scott says, let us know if we missed anything out, if we need new categories for next year and we will keep tabs on those over the course of the year. I do have my little book here when things come up for things like game of the year. I I try to write them down as we go. So let us know Mm -hmm. what else we can do or or what we missed out Uh, with that. We'll say thank you very much for listening. If you have not yet, please do subscribe wherever you get your podcast, do likes, ratings, comments, all that good stuff helps to keep the show growing into 2023. And of course you can head on over to gameisodespod.com. All of our past episodes are available there. We are switching up the merch. So no merch right now. But we will announce when that is back. We had to change our supplier. So uh, we're looking for some new stuff as we come into the season of champions. Uh, We'll see if we can get that up and running. So if you have suggestions, ideas for certain things, you can always reach out to us. Game of Stones pod at gmail.com on Twitter and Instagram at Game of Stones pod and Facebook Game of Stones podcast. So, Scott, another year has gone by. Do you have any particular January traditions? Like people always say that January can be a bit of a sad month. It's it's still cold. It's dark. 
even though we're yep. getting more and more light each day. Is there something that you do in January to, to lift your spirits? Try to make sure I go for a walk when it's sunny out uh, most days, you know, uh, even a little tool around the neighborhood uh, at lunchtime is pretty good. And start thinking about where I'd like to go on, on trips <laughs> for the, the rest of the year, because yeah, it is uh, it is dark already sad, you know, it's not even 5 PM and it's dark. And I mean, it has been like that for a while, but just, I don't know. Uh, not great. I'll tell you what I don't do though. I don't stop drinking beer for the month of January just because it's January. So maybe I should try that this year, Sean, maybe, maybe that should be my resolution. Maybe. I mean, I've done it in September before. I'm a proponent of September is a good month to do it. Okay. Okay. I'm just saying we'll see. uh, But yeah, so uh, again, hopefully everyone out there, 2023 has found you well, and we will talk with you again next week. But until then, keep those brooms on the ice and don't dump that intern. Make the final.